Welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. Listen in as we discuss all things business, growth, and marketing with business owners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, founder of Roundhouse, the creative agency, Saul Edmonds. Oh, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Imran Khan from Tech Nerds around the topic, how to outsource effectively. Imran, what's up? Hey, Sal. Really appreciate you having me on your podcast. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. It's it's really great to have you. Where So for everyone listening, what we always do on the podcast is just, um, is just to give everyone listening a bit of an overview about um, introduction to you, like who you are, where you're from, what you do, what Tech Nerds is all about, and anything else you want to share. You like to let everyone everyone know. Yeah, sure, Sal. Uh, Hello, everyone. So basically, uh, I'm based out of the U.S. I live in uh, Miami Beach, Florida. Right now, I'm actually in New Jersey, just visiting some family. Uh, But for my entire brief summary of my background, uh, I went to like you know the usual American high school. I went to college. I studied criminal justice. I got my associate in criminal, associates in criminal justice from a right. small county college in uh, New Jersey. And uh, <clears throat> from there, I went to a university, uh, William Patterson University. It's uh, up in New Jersey as well for finance and accounting. From there, I took my career into corporate America. I worked in finance and accounting. Believe it or not, Sal, I actually got my first job at my freshman year in college. Uh, I got my first accounting job at a salary. So I always thought to myself, like, how do I get ahead of the game? Uh, without while instead of just waiting to get my degree right how can I immediately take action so I just started searching online started applying and I was telling employers that I'm still in school but they like that because Mm. they didn't they I feel like they helped them on their budget they didn't have to pay something so high for a resource (laughs) to come in yeah of course so I started my first uh, career in my freshman year in uh, college and since then I was in corporate America doing finance and accounting for like Small private firms are making, you know, a couple hundred million, all the way to very big, large conglomerate corporations that are making like $600 billion a year. So yeah. I worked my way up the ladder from like a intern to a staff account, senior account, all the way to a chief financial officer. Uh, so my corporate life, I bounced around probably like five, seven different jobs. Uh, before corporate life, I was like a guy who just got really bored really quick. So when I would take on like a job at a retail store or like a deli or something like that, pizza store, I would only last like a month or two because I would get so bored. Once you learn the trade, you know, and everything, you just want to try something new. So I was always the guy who just kept, you know, starting something. I was like, okay, this is bored. I need another challenge. So I kept, I had like 20 something odd jobs, you know, the five years from like the ages of like 16 to 21. Um, once I graduated from, uh, once I once I finished my seven years, six, seven years of corporate America working in accounting and finance, uh, a little light bulb went up in my head. I was so into fitness in uh, 2014, 2015, that I took a risk and I, and I started my first uh, startup company in a fitness company. It was called Monsters in Training. And uh, believe it or not, this is like when Instagram was just starting, social media was just, you know, starting to pick up some heat and fitness. So I was like in the front. <clears throat> uh, long story short, I did pretty well. Uh, in six months, I was able to generate uh, quite a lot of money, uh, probably around close to half a million dollars. I was selling supplements, pre-workouts, fat burners, proteins. I had 5,000 plus brand ambassadors worldwide. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, when you're a rookie and you're in entrepreneurship, you, you kind of learn the hard way if you don't learn, if yeah. you don't do your due diligence. So unfortunately, I didn't do my due diligence at that time. I was just so excited in growing the company. Come to find out my designer who had des- designed my uh, logo, he had somehow copied certain pieces from Monster, the drink company, Monster Energy, Ooh. and also from uh, UFC, their logo brand. So I got countless letters from their legal team saying cease and desist and we're going to put like a three million dollar lien on you and i was like oh god so i had to actually uh give up everything that i had and uh that was my first dive into entrepreneurship becoming successful and 
failing because once that came underneath me, uh, I, I, I tanked. I lost everything. My accounts were flushed. Uh, I didn't have a job. And I, and I wasn't living with my family because I was in Denver, Colorado at that time. So uh, <clears throat> I had to find a place to live. So I found a uh, nice little home in uh, Denver. It was like in a basement, though. And it did not have a bed. And did have like a little kitchen sink and stuff. It was, uh, I'm grateful for it, but it was like nothing there. It was like living in a closet. There was no, like, zen, there was no zen, sunlight so coming in the basement. <laughs> yeah. There yeah, was no zen. sunlight coming in. Yeah. It was definitely someone's grandmother who owned the house and she was the <laughs> only one living in there. And I was the, the guy who was downstairs trying to figure out his life. Um, <clears throat> so from, from there, I basically, you know, enjoyed the entrepreneurship world and, you know, trying so many things. I enjoyed so much building my first company that I was like, you know what, this is so much fun. I want to, I want to help people build their companies. So lo and behold, from, you know, those experiences, I created Tech Nerds, which is, you know, a full service digital agency. Uh, and we help people like bring their visions to life, which is our slogan at technerds.com. And that's from, you know, consulting, looking at competitors, understanding what kind of you know, positioning you want to take. Are you an established business, a startup? You have a unique idea for an app and kind of consulting them through them, you know, integrating our collaborative platform and our our team, our sophisticated processes and bringing things to life and the edge that we have, uh, which I think is alongside this topic, Sal, is you know, how to outsource effectively. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of like where I bridge the gap between the U.S. Uh, demand and being able to provide cost effective quality services and helping people actually invest in themselves without burning themselves up and you know, not having enough belief in themselves and being really afraid to kind of bring something to life. Yeah, I guess it is like, it's, it's an interesting sort of story too. Cause I guess like from, you know, say most, I mean, I don't, I don't know the statistics around, you know, how many people who come into starting a digital I mean, agency, which is like us too, like we're one of those um, sort of people, but how many people then, in that particular industry also come into it from the perspective that you have, which is originally, I guess, from more of a finance point of view. Uh, so your perspective on, on that is, I guess, a little bit more unique in sort of some ways because you're, you know, uh, what, what that actually means, I'm not sure. I'll just get you maybe to elaborate a bit more on, on like how you feel maybe from a consulting point of view as well, like say somebody, a company comes to you and you're talking to them about, I mean, whatever that might be like their, their website, their brand their and their, or, or say if you, I mean, being a full service agency, you're doing everything for them. What's, what's the initial emphasis that you, you might put on, on that sort of conversation? Regarding if, if a company I'm working with and they're trying to figure out what their next steps are, you mean? Yeah, like say that, I mean, like with us too, people might um, have an existing business or mm. somebody's like completely from scratch. So say that person is like, I've mm -hmm. got an idea like you gotcha. years ago who's gone, I want to start up a fitness business and I'm going to sell supplements. And I say that you, you from the past, and, and they're going, I want to do this. I um, mean, you know, what's like it, with, with your, your history of those different sorts of things, like what's mm -hmm. the sort of initial conversation that you have with them? Yeah, that's a great question, Sal. So basically what I like to do, I took a human uh, behavioral psychology uh, online at Stanford University, kind of get a better understanding of, you know, the psychology of humans when they're working in business and life and society. So I kind of use stuff that I've kind of read about and learned about from, you know, some professors that I really look up to. Uh, there's one professor that's at Stanford University, Dr. Robert Sapolsky. Uh, he's a neuroendocrinologist, a very brilliant man. He did a lot of studies on behavior of psychology of animals and humans. Um, so when I go about going into a consulting, you can say, or trying to understand, uh, we call it a discovery call at Tech Nerds. Uh, my goal is to discover their goals, understand what their real like intention is. Why do they even want to do it? Because people sometimes, you know, they don't know themselves why they want to do it. Uh, if they're doing it for the money, I always kind of start backing away and start educating them. If you're doing it for the money, 
like yes it's it's gonna be good you'll make the money but truly you won't you won't be happy so trying to create a better relationship with the people that i speak with and trying to understand where they're coming from if it's a business that's already kind of established and they just need you know xyz resources and team to help build something it's pretty straightforward just kind of getting a spec sheet but yeah. it's a little bit more uh more engaging and fun when i get to learn about you know startups entrepreneurs innovators and investors when they come on board and they're like hey i have this really cool idea so i kind of walk through the process of understanding where their idea was the source where is the root of it how do they come up with it? What do they see it going as? What kind of competitors are in the market? And I kind of start driving information from there to get a better understanding. Uh, once I've, you know, securely understood exactly what they're looking for, maybe not exact, but relevantly, even based on competitors. Uh, that's where I work with my team then at Tech Nerds. We kind of all sit down together, as a, <clears throat> together in our conference meetings, kind of go over uh, the spec specs that I, I collected for the scope. And then once we identify all that stuff, then, you know, I, I resurface another call back to uh, the client and kind of explain the process of how things are going to work. But I would say the most exciting and challenging at the same time is making sure that, you know, what I'm saying and what I'm providing uh, from tech nerds is valid and it's feasible because we do get some people that have some really insane ideas and they do have the money for it. But it's not feasible. Like the product or the idea, it's not valid. It doesn't make sense. The ROI doesn't really, it's not really existing, but the idea is like, you know, it's too new. And if I feel, or if my team feels like, you know, this person is going to spend the money in their app or their idea or their marketing. And we know that they're not going to be able to, you know, out meet the competitor or they don't have enough budget or, mm. you know, they're not fully invested in it. And we can tell, we will actually kindly deny working with them because we only want to work with people who actually believe in their idea, are ready to go all in and want to really make a difference and an impact in the market. Yeah. And I guess there's two sides to that too, isn't there? One side is, is that, you know, from experience that then potentially the outcome's not going to be great. So the outcome for you, like from say a selfish perspective, you know, I'm, I'm sort of saying this from personal experience too you know that that despite um it maybe not being you know anyone in in, in particular's fault at all it's still going to reflect badly overall so for everybody involved it's it's not necessarily going to be great so i mean that's it it's it is i guess you could call it almost like a duty of care really isn't it to to sort of you know I mean, that's a bit subjective. If you talk to different people, they'd yeah. be like, well, you know, you don't know the outcome of this and that. And yeah, that's true. It's true to some extent. But at the same time, when you've got enough experience with similar sort of projects, you do know. You're like, you know, and that's obviously why people come to, you know, us or we go to a different service provider for their expertise, you know. So that's a... Yeah. I think it comes down to integrity, you know, for us yeah, tech totally. and like my team, uh, people will sell you the dreams today. You know, you can find freelancers and agencies online and they can, you can find the best prices. You think you're getting the best deal in the world and, you know, they'll sell you the dream. <clears throat> but when it comes to delivery, like, you know, people don't deliver, unfortunately. And this is like kind of like the shark market. I'm sure you're well aware of where people promise you something. They over promise and under deliver. And that's something that, you know, I myself before coming into technology was on the other side and I've been burned multiple times. So being on the other side and going through those failures and those experiences, wasting my time, money and energy, like I run off of that as my fuel when I think of tech nerds and I'm, you know, having, <clears throat> having new clients and the care in my hands, making sure that you know, we're working with integrity it makes sense and we're not just doing things just because, you know, the idea sounds good. The idea can sound great. And obviously, of course, like you said, Sal, you know, to a certain degree that, you know, we don't have all the answers, but some of them are really just like, you know, the white elephant. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a no brainer. Like, you know, it's not going to work. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, totally. And, and yeah. And, and it's just like we were saying before, like it's, you know, where subjective meets kind of reality can sometimes be a little bit of a, a blurry sort of line, but that's okay. I mean, like, you know, there's also 
points, I guess, in many sort of projects, uh, certainly ones that we've been involved in where you kind of like it's it's a, it, it is a little bit more unclear because the idea is really great or um and it's kind of really worth pursuing but you do know that there's it either then has to be staged out in a different way to either you know start off smaller or in a slightly different way but you know all all that sort of stuff is can be um, I guess to some extent an organic process too, depending on, because ultimately it comes back to people, right? Like, yeah, you know, somebody has to have the willingness to go one, I really want to do this thing Two, I'm going to, you know, work with other people like that. That's sort of key thing about I'm going to, yeah. I want to work with you. And whether that's like you working with me or us working with a client or a client, you know, working with us, it still has to be as much of a, a symbiotic sort of process as it can be for the best result generally. I mean, I don't know what you think about that. No, I agree. I think, uh, you know, people have great ideas and a lot of them kind of, uh, you know, for most of my experience, what I've seen with people, like people, everybody has ideas. Everyone has great ideas. It's the people who act on the ideas and actually take the action and they're like, you know, like, you know what, I want to try something and they'll go online and start searching for things and they'll come up with a, you know, service company who, who can, you know, help them bring their idea to life. So when it comes to actually moving to the next steps, it's like when, when, when it's going to the next steps, people are unaware of, you know, how businesses work for the most part because they've never done it. So it's especially as a startup or an innovator or entrepreneur. So even being an agency and working more than on a thousand projects already. Uh, I, I, I have people come with great ideas, but sometimes, like you said, it's, it's, you can't really see ahead on really what's going to unfold. So then you go into more of like a, Hey, here's my budget. Here's what I'm willing to risk. Here's where I'm willing to invest to give it a shot. And let's go with a beta or a prototype or an MVP of some, something of that nature and what is the most strategic way that I can see if I can get some traction? So then there's like another option plan that's made where it's like, okay, to make the complete product would be like this long and it's going to cost you this much. Or if you really want to just like kind of be secure and safe and see if even it's going to work, let's set up something that we can collect some data, collect some interest, you know, so collect somebody who, how many people would be interested? What kind of surveys can we put out there? What kind of, interesting uh blogs we can put out there and get what how many reads and how many interests that we can get from a campaign so when you do a more smart approach especially when it's a very unique idea uh that's something to the new language of social media or marketing or marketplaces uh, then you can kind of get a better feel on kind of how you're going to go about doing it but back to your the topic of this of uh yeah. how to outsource effectively i think that's the biggest thing that people are challenged with around the world. They don't know how much things cost. They don't know what it takes. They didn't go to school for technology. They don't know tech, they don't know programming. So they're heavily reliant on the agencies, on freelancers, on outsourcing. And they're for the most part, to be frank, they're clueless. You know? Yeah. And the and I think the the thing that they do, many of them is many of them look for just, hey, what is the cheapest thing that I can do to make this happen? What is the cheapest way? They're not yeah, looking totally. at anything else. It's, and that's where they shoot themselves with, in the foot. It's fraught with problems, isn't it? I mean, there's a, there's, yeah. And, and, and the topic too, like when I was, when uh, we first, um, you know, was sort of introduced and then I was thinking, you know, there's obviously a range of different things we can talk about. Generally, the podcast goes across a range of different subjects anyway. But I thought like that topic of, of how, how do you outsource effectively is an interesting one because you've got, I suppose, certain sort of cliches that people think of automatically when they think outsourcing, right? As they go outsourcing but just before we started our our podcast i was like outsourcing like for some people 
means um, like completely different things. For some people, it means generally in their mind, they'd be going overseas, like say we're here in Australia or in the United States, or for that matter, many places in the world, they'd be going, I'm outsourcing equals cheap, right? You know, for some people, it might mean that. You know, this is where um, their decision about what they do and how and if if they're going to outsource is very closely aligned to what they define as outsourcing as you know so say i mean what i mean i suppose is that if we go i'm going to outsource they'd be going i'm going to go to a place over in india or in eastern europe or or somewhere like that that means outsourcing for me but for other people outsourcing means like if you're in say another agency and you're just um, you only do brand work. You don't do any other work and you form a relationship with another company. Effectively they're outsourcing. Even if that company isn't, you know, they're not, they're not overseas or, or they might even be local, but you're still outsourcing. And I thought that's interesting yeah. because like it's, it, it just sort of occurred to me. I thought like I knew that, I knew that, but it didn't because we had this specific subject. I was going, well, that's outsourcing too. So then outsourcing effectively wherever that is and whatever that is and like why, why ever you're doing it still comes back to what we've kind of already been covering off on, on some of those, like those really um, solid sort of initial reasons about how to do it well no matter why you're doing it, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's that why it's like, why are you doing the project in the first place? Like, you know, asking, is it to make like a squillion dollars? Well, yeah, that's, that's awesome. But you know, a better question is, you know, to get to that point are other things that you might cover off in a discovery call or when you just get to know somebody well, Exactly. And I think you picked up on something big. Uh, it's the underlying layer. That's really what it comes down to. Like, what is their intent of doing it? I think if someone has a strong enough intent inside themselves of why they're doing it, and you can sense their type of fire or passion, whatever it is, I think that's what separates, you know, the successful from the unsuccessful people with the right intention, right mindset, positive energy, and really going out there and they know they're sacrificing. They know they're going to invest. You know, we're talking more along these of like investors, innovators and startups, entrepreneurs, uh, they're going to be more successful versus, you know, someone working for a company, uh, you know, let's say the company is like a very big 5,000 employees and the person in management is in charge of outsourcing for payroll, let's say that person is not going to be as driven to say, let me find the most competitive pricing for the right outs. They're not because the company's so big and you know, there's a budget there and they know what the budget is. So as long as they can find someone that they like, they're going to just put them on board. Yeah. It's just their job. But when you have your own company, your own startup, your own investment, then you're a little bit more, you know, careful. You want to really know, you want to interview the person. You really want to know, what they're all about, what their story is, how they even started their accounting firm or, you know, what, what kind of certificates they have. Uh, I think that's where the outsourcing like strategy comes in. It's people who are more in line with uh, knowing exactly why they're hiring the person, why are they outsourcing and also making sure they're comparing comparatively to the market. Yeah. Have, have you ever gone into like, say this is sort of on, a related subject about, you know, about the, I guess, you know, passion and telling one when people have passion, then telling if they're like the business owner, have you ever gone into like a cafe or restaurant? Like it's more obvious in the restaurant because the person running it is usually, or usually, but not always like the maitre d' or someone, but say in a cafe, have you ever gone in and gone, I can tell that that's the business owner. You know, that I can, I can tell by how they're talking to people and by how they, you know, hold themselves. You can go, that's the business owner. I know that's the business owner. And it's, it's sort of tied into what we were saying because, 
you know, people are generally, there's that different level of passion. There's different level of like detail that put into things because they know, because they place like a completely different level of importance. Um, and then though, sometimes there's just, you know, amazing employees that like have, uh, have ownership, like have the almost same level of ownership over what they're doing too. And they, you know, but it still comes across in the same way. There's that, you know, there's that real sort of drive. There's obviously a real love for it often. You know, I know that's a very, that term is, you know, used very loosely in this sort of um, scenario, but I think it's quite true. Like you, it's like in um, sport too. And when you were saying before about, um, about, you know, talking about passion and like those words like passion and love, you see that and you feel that in um, people that are, you know, are driven to do well in sport. I mean, I, how, how different is it really? Like it's, it's, it's a very similar human kind of drive. Like you want to do well, there's different physical things involved, of course, in sport, but a lot of it is still very mental. You know, there's, Absolutely. You know, referring back to, you know, learning about uh, human behavior and psychology and even like being in fitness, at the end of the day, uh, all the feelings that we experience, I believe, <clears throat> they come from different uh, chemicals in the brain that are stimulated and released. And you're, whatever you're desiring, uh, whenever you're working on something or playing a sport, or being competitive, you know, you'll have the same type of uh, dopamine or endorphins released in your brain if you're really enjoying something it could be something simple as uh, drinking coffee and looking over at the ocean or taking a walk with someone you're very attracted to or it could be you know some, playing sports and it'll all give you the same type of chemical reactions in your brain and I think it comes down to what you program your mind and how you condition your behavior because that's the number one thing. When you focus on something, you are programming your mindset and your behavior over and over again to create a pattern where once it's conditioned, you've programmed your brain like, hey, even though like I do not like doing cardio right now, I'm going to start running. And after a week, a month, two months, you've now created that pattern where you start feeling super looking forward to it where you know before you were just hating it. You're like, I don't even want to think or think about cardio. I want to go have a sandwich or eat some popcorn and sit on the couch. But from that, you know, rigorous uh, challenge that you put yourself through that struggle, you, you grow that internal muscle of discipline and patience with yourself. And, you know, this is you loving yourself and being kind to yourself where you invest in yourself and really grow your potential by steering your focus and your energy in a direction that you know is going to be good for you. Problem is many people, they cannot split the difference between emotions and logic. So people always respond and react with emotion immediately. You know, as they say, the wise are the patient. They, they, they absorb, they understand if there's an argument or something, they're not really focused on the judgmental part. They're more focused on the curiosity part. They want to know why the person is upset. They want to know what triggered this person, whoever it may be, or whatever the situation may be. So when you look at things in different perspectives, it really is the psychological bound that keeps people who are more wise and more successful by differentiating and having a boundary between, hey, I should keep things professional here. And also in my mindset, let me not get my emotions mixed and tied to something. And let me just look at it as logic, which is very difficult to do sometimes, especially mm, when your sorry. emotions are involved. Because one day, you know, one plus one is two. But when your emotions are high, one plus one is negative six. And it doesn't matter what the world says. It's all about how I feel. Or you, so couldn't, that, or you couldn't care yeah. less what one plus one is. You just got one plus one and it goes like, whatever. It doesn't you know? matter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean that's a, I I found it um, interesting too because I think you talk oh, there's a little bit more talk on your other website Wolf of Digital about you know sport and and fitness too and obviously makes you know a bit more sense now um, with you explaining your previous 
history in that too. But I've, I personally, being someone who, who loves playing sport and I, for many years, did, I mean, martial arts and I'm still playing um, squash now too. Squash is my big thing that I've sort of returned to again. And the thing that I've, I've always found recently as I've sort of been driven to get a lot better, I've had this real sort of drive to do that. And the thing that I always find really, really curious about playing sport um, I don't know whether this is me or then I'm, I'm sure other people have this experience too, but the act of playing sport and or, or doing something physical when you're competing against somebody else highlights different um, aspects of how you perceive the world in a way that I don't think you can really almost find anywhere else um, because it's like a heightened sense of, say um uh, what's an example like i'm i'm trying to get better at a certain particular part of my squash game and i'm yeah. frustrated and i'm frustrated by the fact that i'm not aware mentally i think i should be you know i'm 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 thinking in my mind i should be here because i i'm you know uh probably my ego you know that i'm 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 going yeah, I should be here. I'm frustrated yeah. that I'm not there yet. So that that sort of drive to get past that that ego aspect of it and just get down to the nitty gritty of, you know, what do I actually have to do to get better and just let the process sort of unfold highlights other things in a really clear kind of way that um, – I'm not sure if if I'm sort of explaining it well, but that's it's it's just a curious thing that always um, seems to bring about sometimes like a light bulb moment where you go, yeah, that's that's my that's my ego talking. That's me going, I'm here, but I'm really not. Like I'm actually not there, and I know then to get there, like the fact that then you're competing against somebody else really highlights that, but you're, you're going, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing, you know, I'm good at what I do. You play somebody and you get beaten and you go, well, obviously not on the day. And, and because like, say squash is so mental, it's like such a mental game and to be in a good psychological sort of space, you can then be, you know, physically this, but still lose because like you, you're already lost in your mind, you know, and then that, that just like unfolds, you know, in that sort of way and sometimes quite quickly, you know, and yeah, yeah I found that the sort of interesting you talking about that because I, I guess it, it resonated with me because I've always found a very close alignment with um, sport just because I, I love it. And then seeing those different mental things that happen that see the same things sort of paralleled in the business world often, or just with people, you know, same things, but they're sort of highlighted in this different way when you play sport. Yeah, I can see that. You make a great point, Sal. You're right. And as far as sports, it's a competitive game, physical game, especially. And I think that, if you nurture the ego the right way, like that's how you can become better. A lot of people, they, you know, even myself, I give myself my own props. Uh, you <laughs> tend to overthink, especially when you want something really bad and you want it really quick, especially when you're really good at something. So we tend to self-talk or self, you know, negatively self-talk to ourselves saying you're not good enough or, you know, you need to work harder. Like those are healthy things to say you need to work harder. But at the same time, I learned one thing and, you know, years and years of my life and experiences that you know my, my faith and my belief also teaches me, me this uh the quicker you accept things is the quicker you empower yourself to conquer them meaning you're out of your vulnerabilities come your strengths so the most vulnerable part as a human being that we can be is when we express humility when we accept when you know things are not going our way they're out of our control we just express our humility and you accept it kindly respectfully with love and appreciation and gratitude and you know if you're not good enough at something whatever it may be you 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 are accepting inside of yourself like okay i have some work to do 
So out of humility, I need to be able to accept that I do need to tell myself, hey, you're not there yet. So just be a little bit patient, be grateful for where you are and keep working on where you want to get to and be thankful that you got the ability to be alive right now, six feet above ground. Because anytime, you know, the, the heart can stop and we don't control that. We don't just like we don't control you know, the stars, the skies, the sun, the birds flying, that stuff happens on its own. So when what makes us think that we can control what our brains, you know, can imagine, it, they can't. It, we just kind of going with the journey of life and we need to be able to uh, adapt quickly like Darwin's theory, you know, survival of the fittest. Uh, the quicker you adapt, the quicker you would uh, survive. So I think accepting very quickly uh, when you are faced with challenges and accepting in yourself that, this is a challenge or I'm failing or I'm in pain uh, is going to allow you to quickly improve your abilities to overcome these types of struggles and challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. I think that's a very important point. And I know there's certainly um, I've, I've had it in the past and I guess uh, culturally, it, you know, it's, it's uh, it sort of crosses uh culturally too that that idea i guess for a lot of people that when people are hard on themselves about things that they um you know don't feel that they're very good at or that they need to you know improve upon they don't do what you're saying i mean i've i've certainly been there you just go oh i'm just not very good i'm not good at it and it's very easy to go into like a bit of a a spiral but i think that is it's certainly like a very empowering you know way to kind of accept things and move on and just sort of add them add them into your um i suppose you could say like your arsenal of tools you know then moving forward you've gone yeah i've i've already covered that now i'm moving on to this next kind of level and i guess always going back a little bit too and just you know there's there's nothing wrong with some regular self-reflection on sort of some of those things maybe not maybe not overdoing it you know maybe not you know not kind of like uh reflecting too much or overthinking but yeah it's it's i'm certainly like a really good point um just returning i guess with some of these different sort of subjects because i feel like they actually all in their own different sort of way still tie into like the main subject about how to outsource effectively because there there can be and this is me reflecting now on once again my own probably my own preconceptions if i was really honest about what you know i would think of initially when you go outsourcing you your mind goes over here or it goes over there but then like we've been talking about already like outsourcing ultimately like a lot of things in business and then in sport and, and just in life comes back to uh, just people talking to people, you know, people like having a relationship because ultimately if you were going to boil it down, most things, no matter what they are, come back to a relationship in one form or another that someone is having with you. Like, I've met you for the first time. Um, I want to do a particular project. Some of that is going to be informed by how much I like you, how much I feel I've got, you know, potential trust in you or how, you know, well, you know, a person is able to build trust and then sort of obviously actually deliver on that too. I mean, being a key thing, but then outsourcing effectively then you know, it'd be interesting to hear what you think about this too, is that like how, how much of that outside of the process of what's actually being done, like the individual parts of, of that job are then just the communication that you have throughout that process from the beginning, during, afterwards, um, on an emotional level, but also, you know, on, a range of different things. What do you think about that, Imran? I think uh, being on the other side before coming to my own tech firm, uh, 
when it comes to working with people because that's what it really comes down to like you said it comes down to relationships and creating that trust i think that's a main factor so when you're outsourcing uh being as the service provider uh you want to make sure that you have a good process flow down and you in the company or the firm the service provider is engineered to entertain the client on all levels from emotional logical to deliverables to delivering results and for techners i can speak confidently that the way that we have things set up is to be an optimal way where one we have a discovery call and this is part of the process we i get on the call my consultants get on the call we learn about the specs we learn about the vision we understand why or where this was sourced from or rooted from once we define the scope uh we present it to our client and then we educate the client on our process you know how does it work like once i'm boarded on what what is the next step and then techners is very simple once you're boarded on the project manager is engaged the process of the first introduction is started a project kicked off we call it and in this phase we're basically just connecting the relationship and forming a trust saying hey you're officially on board with technerds uh project manager is going to be taking the lead he will be the one kind of you know taking on the phone calls and uh, delegating the tasks to the team that's working on the project and here's the access to your own personal dashboard where you'll be able to see everything your project the team what activities they're working on what what time these tasks were completed so really creating a sophisticated engineered well thought out intuitive process where the answers are already there before the question arises so that clears up the you know questions and you know it creates and forms that trust uh and then you just have your you know follow ups and you do your testing and your reporting all the way through to the end of the project where it's time for deployment and when it's time for deployment it's like more of a celebratory it's like we made it and the client and on the other side feels it because they were part of the project they were the pilot where they were able to see in direct as well as you know being on the techner side of being a collaborative plot, uh, partner you can call it and mm. i think that's what truly makes the relationship connect with everybody yeah yeah no 100% yeah i think the um i one question that i have and this is something that i don't think like based on past experience i feel like this isn't often some that something that you know we as service providers um or people doing similar things to us have a lot of control over because you know people are um you know people have their own impressions about what what their expectations are and things too but what how do, how do you handle or or if you've had had this particular situation where you know somebody has had the initial call with you or they've even say met you elsewhere and they've come like via word of mouth i mean for example mm-hmm. they haven't come through the website and uh, they've met you somewhere and there's like oh i had a great conversation with him right it was fantastic like we really got on well together it's like really nice nice guy mm-hmm. um and their their experience was was really overwhelmingly amazing and then not like they had a bad experience then going forward it was it was still good but it wasn't as good as the initial experience with you like have you ever <laughs> had that had that experience like these things as you know it depends on people too i think like have you ever had that experience where people have then had this expectation maybe unrealistic that that um Yeah, I mean, I'm making some assumptions and forgive me like if that's the case like that say, mm-hmm. you know, the experience wouldn't be as good, you know, as like speaking <laughs> with you maybe it is like it, you know, everyone might be, you know, even 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 um even more fantastic than you, Imran. You know, they come and you know, but yeah. it depends on how people get on with individuals, right? They go, I had this great experience, they move on. So yeah, you're right. 
and to be honest with you, yes, of course, you know, that happened. And I would say most of the time, like from the experiences that I've had, uh, when that does or if that does occur, it's more of the lack of understanding or communication or, you know, expecting too much too quick because many times when especially when working this most of the time i also come from inexperienced people working with like you know new agency like new idea new money coming in like starting something up uh you can make the person who's consulting like make it sound amazing but as long as the person educates you know the client before they're boarding like hey like there's going to be a lot of work and you know, there's going to be times where things are not going to make sense or things are going to be a little bit difficult, but that comes part of the journey. So educating in advance and saying, hey, yes, we're a great firm. Yes, we deliver results, but yes, you have to have patience. Yes, there's going to be problems. There's going to be issues, but that's what creates the relationship. You know, every yeah. time there's an up, there's going to be a down. And every time there's going to be a down, there's always going to be an up. And as long as it's not too frequent and as long as it's not too yeah. you know, intense and it's bearable, then you're going to be able to achieve that goal line. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, once again, it all comes back to relationships, doesn't it? Like it's all, it's all about people. Like ultimately with whatever technology, whatever like dashboards we've got, whatever updates mm -hmm. we give, however we deliver like a, a proof for some new design or whatever, it ultimately, the, this is my conclusion, my you know, own personal conclusion after being in business like for many years now too, is that it's all about people. Like it's all, it, it is, 100%. Like it's, it's all, you know, you've got kind of nothing. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a bit of a broad sweeping sort of statement, but I mean, you, I, I think it's true. Like, like you almost do really have nothing unless you've got, a good relationship because I mean, it doesn't work in, in personal lives, does it? You know, if you've got a terrible relationship, things go bad. If you're, you know, if you're doing it in, you know, a group of people, a group of friends, things don't go, you know, so yeah. why would it be the same in business? You're still dealing with people and it's, it's probably heightened then even more because then there's money involved, you know, and people are having to, having to trust often someone that in many instances they don't know and they've, you know, based an initial decision. Like it's a, I always view it as um, a big responsibility. You know, if someone's going, I'm going to you know, choose to work with you. Um, and that's based on these, this information. And it's like, that's, I you know, feel like pretty humbled by that. You know that they they've made that choice. Yeah. There's a lot of choice out there. There's a lot of like That's you know, true. often often bad experiences that people have had too, and then they have to like go through it again. It's not easy. No, it's not. And I've been there on the other side. So you know, and this actually happens in real life with every company. You know, no nobody's ever one hundred percent satisfied. No matter how good the delivery is. Or the results are some people you just cannot satisfy. No, true. And yeah. And when it does come to that point where there are certain things said and certain things not delivered, I think it's more of the focus on the leadership that the owner or the consultant takes. And if in my, you know, experiences in life, there's two types of people, people that can see the glass half full or they can see the glass half empty, you know, being optimistic and being pessimistic through all your thought processes. So for me, it's more of like, Hey, okay, we've identified a problem. We know, and we agree it's a problem. So I don't give it much energy until, you know, the validation is made between both parties that, Hey, we've identified it. This is a problem. And we both agree. Okay. We stop right there. There is no further digging meeting required to go there. Now the other lens goes on. It's like, okay, we've identified the problem. Now let's walk through the solution. Let's see what different solutions we can come up with because yeah. there's always going to be problems, but you know, you have to be able to be optimistic and be a little bit wise and patient 
with the people you're working with because hey they're investing their time and their energy and they give you the opportunity and consideration to work with them so on the flip side as a you know quality performer and a producer and being able to nurture the client's needs you want to be able to make sure that once a problem occurs that you address it in a professional respectful and kind manner and then you walk through to finding solutions no matter what or how extreme they may be uh, you have to find out a valid solution that's feasible it makes sense and it can bring the entire you know project or process to a successful completion yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean this i in my own my own impression say if we're talking about impressions about how things will unfold like how a project will unfold and my my impression about you know how when i start any sort of podcast i mean with somebody is always always inevitably so far there's always been really different and that's the thing that i really like about um about this because it's it ultimately ends up being exactly the same sort of process as you do with anyone that you meet for the first time and you're having a chat and you know it's a discovery call you know in its own way its own sort of yeah. like funny way yeah. but it's, I, it, it, I mean it just happens to be a podcast and but like the impression about the what the topic might mean for someone looking at this title and going, Oh, outsourcing. Um, I might listen to that because I've had a bad experience outsourcing in the past. And I really want to find out how to do it better next time. Like it, it might mean they're going to tell me like what, uh, what, you know, things you have to prepare for things, but ultimately, you know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's all those things, but you don't know any of that until you get past the stuff where you get to know somebody and then you can go, yep, I want to do this. I want to work with them. And, mm-hmm. there, and, and there has to be that initial thing of like some level of trust. Like for some people, it doesn't have to be very high. They say, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll just like, got to do it. Price-based, you know, cheap, awesome. <laughs> it's like going to McDonald's. I'll yeah, yeah, go to McDonald's. Buy it. I it's trust good. their food. I know what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah, I need a logo. Um, what you know? Ask a bunch of questions. I'm not interested in in your questions. I just want to give it to me. Fine, that's that's cool. You know, but ultimately, everyone's different. That's the great thing about us all is that you know everyone's different. And you know, from outside, I figure too that it's it's not it's not uh it's it's not uh it's like you know it's it's fine and and important to accept that people are going to be completely different like that and that there's no point like you can't change the world and you can't change what you know who they are you just have to try to understand people and go well you know like we were saying before part of this whole thing about how to outsource ultimately also meaning like how just to work with people, you know, you know, retitled this podcast, how to work with people, you know, how to, <laughs> you could call it yeah, that too. No, maybe. You know, it's, 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 it's a lot more than that. You're right. Now that like you put it into perspective, you know, it's like unfolding stories. It's like unfolding layers of it. Like where did this person come from? What is the background story? How do they know so much? It's like, it's just yeah. creating that ammunition for the person who's, trying to learn about you know whether or not they should go with this person or company and i think that this is amazing uh you know journey you're in as far as the podcast thing because you don't know who you're going to come across and what kind of amazing stories you'll unfold though the title may be outsourcing you and i have covered psychology mindset entrepreneurship business investment strategy so you know a lot of that stuff also on top of outsourcing (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, totally. That's that's it's it's a wonderful thing, generally about I think people and I I still I still to this day like I I have to combat my own you know preconceptions because we all have them you know mm-hmm. you would have them I have them about mm-hmm. I'm going to meet this person that uh, looks like this that talks like this that yeah. um, is like male female whatever whether we like it or not there's like you know 
cultural things that we've been taught that we're not really even aware that we're doing. And you go, mm. Oh, this person's probably going to be like this. And then when they're not, I love that. I, I, I always like try to remind myself that that's like, I shouldn't just don't, don't do that. Saul, because you know, I know I'll be doing it. I'll, I'll be going you now this, you know, just based on past experience. Cause you kind yeah. of have to, you know, otherwise you'd just be going through life. You're just, you know, confused. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you, you have a certain, uh, certain profile in your experiences in your mind of like, you know, what this potentially could be like. And, you know, you have a certain expectation, which is natural human behavior. That's just how we're designed to have, you know, preconceived ideas of what something or experience or a person may be like. And I think it is quite fascinating when you start unfolding the layers as you learn about the person, you're like, whoa, like completely off guard. (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of like, actually, I'll just, I'm sort of realized it's, it's funny. It's a bit like uh, storing some cash, you know, inside your mind about, about sort of past experiences. And it's good sometimes like to flush the cash, you know, to go, you know, to flush the like flush before every podcast. Yeah. Maybe I should do that in all future podcasts. I should like, I try to flush my own cash. You know, for people, you know, that's the temporary. Yeah, that's a good idea. Go, dive into it with like a fresh plate. You know, I think the <laughs> yeah. way you started off was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm just, uh, just before we sort of uh, get to the, I guess the final part of the podcast, mm-hmm. I was just interested to hear um, a little bit more about uh, you talk about in Wolf of Digital about the seventh sense of business and tech solutions that you talk about. And can you just elaborate a bit on what that is, on, on sort of what you're talking about? Yeah, so I actually have not updated my website in quite some time. I, <laughs> it's my personal brand that I'm working on. But uh, I'm actually working on a book, and I've been working on it for about a year, year and oh, a yeah. half now. It's based off those seven senses. It's really more of seven principles, I would like to say. And I will share a couple on this podcast exclusively for you, Sal. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I didn't even (laughs) realize, uh, I didn't even realize it was going to be like that. That was just like a random question. Yeah. So, you know, it's really more of the principles of becoming like successful, you can say. And I think the the principle number one, it comes down to um, patience. A lot of people, they take it very lightly. Uh, Patience is more than just, Know, waiting it's more of like endurance it's more of like you know understanding and comprehending through the parts that are most difficult where they feel like they're uh, choking you or you know you're emotionally beaten down inside or psychologically stressed out and it's like in those moments of life like you need to be able to endure a lot and from enduring and going through the challenges and struggles that patience is going to be like a callus on your hand from going to the gym. And that, that callus is going to strengthen your tolerance level and it's going to build your character. So, you know, that, that's like principle number one. Uh, principle number two is um, being able to, uh, being able to, um, wow, I'm having a, a brain trip right now. <laughs> Go to number three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Principle number two is uh, accountability. So you have to be responsible and accountable for yourself. So meaning you have to have enough uh, measurable value inside of yourself when you verbalize something to yourself, not to the people to impress them, not to become famous and get fans, but within yourself, you make a commitment and you make yourself accountable to it saying, for example, I'm going to start eating healthy or I'm going to start going to the gym, you know, once, twice uh, a week, just starting up or something, whatever it is that you're committing yourself to, you need to make yourself accountable. Uh, When you do that and you follow through with your words and your actions follow through, you become uh, invincible. And over time you become very, you start building up this momentum, this energy, and then you start actually increasing your self-worth. And, you know, that goes hand in hand with patience, which is the first one I talked about, because holding yourself accountable requires a lot of patience inside of yourself. And, you know, 
And I, I just sneak this third one in there if, if you're interested in knowing mm, it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the third principle is more of when it comes to having enough understanding inside of yourself where you know your limitations. And when you know your limitations, uh, you're not afraid to take risks. And when you can do that, you, that's where you start unfolding new chapters of your life. You know, when, you, when, when Sal gets thrown into a new city, in a new country, and has never been there before, well, Sal's going to figure out a way to survive. He's going to figure out a way to talk to the people, even if they don't, he doesn't speak those languages. So being put in a place where everything is new, but exercising patience and holding yourself accountable to survive, uh, you start growing this fearless presence in yourself to say, you know, even though everything's new to me, I'm going to be able to figure it out. And I think that that unfolding character comes from being a risk taker slash being fearless uh, within yourself. And that's how you get to know yourself better. When you put in yourself, that's like uh, in your in your mind in an environment that you don't know anything, but you somehow, some way, through faith, hope, and belief, you figure it out. Yeah, yeah, really true. That's that's a I think that's a fantastic way to sort of end end the main part of our podcast. They're really great um, sort of messages, and there's certainly um, sort of things that I I I'm going to resonate with. I mean, very strongly, it's great to, um, you know, it's great to get to know yourself better. I think we all assume we do, you know, and I certainly, and the more, you know, whether it's experiences, personal experiences or, you know, through sport or through business or, or sort of what have you, those, you know, things that keep on kind of un, unfolding and you go, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that about myself. You know, and then, and just when you thought that you did again, you, it kind of, it seems to be, and, and it should be too, like it should be an, a never ending sort of process. You know, it's like one of those, those things that I always really, really, really love. Like when in our uh, Taekwondo club, our uh, grandmaster who's, who's now, um, um, in his mid seventies, perhaps early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just one of those people who's gentle, humble, really nice person, this amazingly skilled sort of person. But yeah, you know, that idea and the thing that that he kind of embodies and people similar to him is that idea that I really love about that even though, you know, if if anybody was able to say, you know, they're an expert in the world at a particular thing, it would be this guy and, you know, other people like him. You know, if, if he said, I'm, mm. I'm the world expert in this, I'm like, sure. I, I, I completely accept that. But it doesn't like he's, he's, you know, still, still learning. And he obviously still, you know, is at that level, but mm. you know, that sort of mindset I always really love like there's this thing of I'm I'm here, but it it doesn't mean I, you know, I've I've stopped learning or wanting to learn. But just keep on. Yeah. This is just way too interesting. You know, it's just way like you learning know, is the key. Learning yeah. is the key to success. Yeah, and it's kind of got nothing to do even with like you know ego or anything. It's 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 just way too interesting and too much fun. You know, to find out new things about you know whatever it is and if you get but you know better in the process so be it that's awesome you know yeah but i'll ask you imran at this point in time for a quote that you like something that's that's um that you feel like is is relevant or you just really like that you'd like to share with everyone if you would yeah, sure, Sal. So I throw I throw a nice quote out there that I think truly helped me kind of get through uh, challenges and you know work my way into success and continuing to work through it. Uh, if you believe, you will succeed. Yep. Very simple. You have to believe in yourself. 
And the more you believe in the things that you are capable of doing, even believing in your own words when you say them and you follow through with them, you will see successes come. You will see results come. So really everything is always controlled by ourselves and we always want to see it through that lens. We never want to give that lens and assume that, you know, this other person sees us this way. So we must behave in that manner. And I think that's, that's what I can leave them with. Sal. if you believe you will succeed. It's an oldie, but a goodie. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, um, and could you just also let everyone know, um, the best way for people to learn more about tech nerds or, and, or yourself and how to get in contact. Yeah, sure. So you can contact uh, my company and myself at technerds.com. You can schedule your appointment or discovery call right on the website. Or if you're interested in learning more about me and listening to my podcast, Entrepreneur Success Mindset, you can simply go to wolfofdigitalofficial.com. My website's still under design, so that'll be updated soon. And I will be producing more episodes as well. And we'd love to have you on there as well, uh, Sal. Yeah, that would be great. And and once again, thank you so much for um, for coming on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure, Imran. Thank you. And, My pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for having me, so I really appreciate it. No worries. And so with that in mind, that's actually it for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening into our podcast yet again. Before we go, please leave your feedback as well as any suggestions for topics that you would like us to discuss in future episodes. Thanks again for listening to the Grey Business Podcast and we'll see you again soon. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Grow Your Business. Have a great day and we'll see you next time here at the Grow Your Business Podcast.